You guys can have a seat. This morning, Rick will be um, teaching from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Good morning. How's everybody today? Um, I figured that it would be a good idea to start our time this morning uh, during the sermon with a game. Who wants to play a game? All right. Um, let Sarah, why don't you come up and Sheridan and 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 Trey? That's Sarah. You. That Klein. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't do this to you, Sarah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give you guys a stool upon which to sit. Um, so go ahead and have a seat there. And Trey, you can sit there, and you're going you're gonna to get this one. Uh, Sheridan? Just want you know, I did not raise my hand saying I wanted to play again. <laughs> yeah, but you're Sheridan, so I knew it would be okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start out here. Um, these are going to be blindfolds for you guys. These are there's this headbands from, from Mia. So, <laughs> so Trey, you're going to need to probably take your glasses off. And it's important, like you could probably figure out a way to... Sarah, put it on. You could probably figure out a way to see, so it's important to not do that, okay? We don't want you to see, all right? We could really mess with them right now, right? But I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm going to reach into my bag. And so what I'm going to do, I want you guys to put your hand out like in front of you, just flat out in front of you. There, good job, Sheridan. Good job, Trey. Not so good, Sarah. Let's lift it up right here. All right, so I'm going to put something in your hand, and you're not allowed to grab it. You're just allowed to like let it rest on the palm of your hand. You follow? And you guys are going to have to stop and think about what you think it is. Okay? You with me? You understand? Sarah, open it up, not a fist. So I'm going to put something... In your hand, don't move it around. Just let it sit there, okay? It's relax, relax. All right. Okay. So, all right. I'm gonna count to three. And no, no, you're not supposed to touch oh, it like sorry. that. I forgot you didn't do that. <laughs> so Sarah has cheated already, and Trey, you're trying to cheat. Um, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna count to three, and you're gonna say what you think it is, okay? Yeah, you get to participate still. So I'll say one, two, three, say. All right? So one, two, three. Baseball. <laughs> it is, in fact, a baseball. Don't, don't. But Sarah kind of like gripped it so she knew what it was. 
All right. So, okay, now we got, we got one more thing. And there's something coming at the end that's going to be a treat for you. So get excited about that. All right. So same thing, only Sarah, don't cheat this time, okay? Just let it sit in your hand, okay? Just let it sit in your hand. All right? You got a good idea? He said it's bacon? What? Okay. So on the count of three, you're going to say what you think it is. One, two, three. <laughs> Can you guys see what it is? Trey, what is it? Sarah, what is it? I have no idea. It's a clothespin. Watch. It's a clothespin. Clothes see, you can feel that there. All three of you had the same thing. So um, the only one who's gotten it right was the one who cheated. So take note of that. All right, one, last one. This is, this is the last one. And here's a little hint. This is kind of a, you'll be glad you have this. And you're going to get to keep these. You don't get to keep the baseball or the clothespins. All right? So, think about it. Here, I'll let you guys kind of grip this one. Grip it. Grip it, Sarah. You, can, you already know what it is? Okay, on the count of three, tell me what it is. One, two, three. Okay, no, no. What, what kind of candy? What? Oh, it's, it's, okay, you can take your, your blindfolds off. Twix, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, all right, there you go. Give it up for everybody. Give it up for him. Don't worry, Kelly. I'm going to put your stool back over there. You got it? Over there, by where it goes. All right. So, um, that was kind of fun. Thank you. Um, so, why, why, did, why did we do that? Um, there are spiritual realities that most of the time we are completely oblivious and blind to. Um, just like I limited their physical realities, like I blindfolded them and didn't let them grip what they were, talk, what they were holding, um, we sometimes have our spiritual faculties, you know what I mean when I say faculties? So like our, our, sen- our physical senses are sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell, those things. Um, We have similar ways with which we can engage the spiritual world. And when we limit our physical faculties, our physical senses, we have a hard time deciphering what it is that we're holding. You follow that? You understand? Um, So uh, the spiritual world is every bit as real as the physical world. However, we have many times our faculties... Um, keep us from engaging with the fullness of what's happening spiritually around us. Do you guys ever see a movie called Entrapment? It's from the, the 90s. Um, it's, there's a couple of thieves, and one is like an older thief. Um, gosh, I totally forgot the guy's name. Sean Connery, yes. Yeah. Sean Connery is, is teaching Catherine Zeta-Jones how to be a thief. And uh, she's got to kind of work her way through this maze of lasers, and they've got this like aerosol can spray. They spray it, and then when they spray over a laser, that laser kind of illuminates. And it's, the spiritual world is very much like that. And I hope that this message today helps us begin to, to illuminate the, the spiritual battle that is going on around us, even as we speak. Um, <clears throat> and here's the thing. Uh, I think our ignorance 
and fascination with the spiritual realm teaches us to be afraid of the fact that there are angels and demons around us all the time. It teaches us to be afraid of that. Right? If I were to tell you that there's, there are demons in this room, there's a spiritual reality, there are demons in this room, that would probably freak you out. Right? <laughs> That's my daughter back there. Baby, it's okay. Um, and, and I think that's like a, a chore and a job of the enemy is to teach us to be afraid of those things. But um, Paul teaches us here in Ephesians 6, and by the way, let me just insert this, um, our, our image for the series, I'll put that back up there, Abram. Our image for the series is uh, this letter. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church to teach the church how to be a church. And at the end of it, he's hammering home this idea that there's a spiritual reality that's going on around us. Um, Brian Chapel, who pastors a Presbyterian church in Peoria, Illinois, and used to be the president of our local uh, Presbyterian seminary, says this, our fight is spiritual warfare. He has reminded us that the power is within us is Christ himself. We are not talking about mystical and fantasy things when we talk about spiritual warfare. We're talking about a daily present reality. And that, that's really what I want to zero in on at the beginning here, is that we're not talking about some, some fictional fantasy Halloween stuff. We're talking about a very present, very real spiritual things that's happening around us all the time. And just like we have physical faculties to engage with the physical world, and we did that little game to let you see what it like help you to understand that you have physical faculties to engage with this world you also have spiritual faculties to engage with the spiritual world um let, let's get to our, our passage um ephesians 6 10 through 13 the first three verses finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might um this is a message this morning that I've needed to, to, as I've prepared and studied, we can slip very easily into a be better, do better, try harder mode. You understand? Like we, as, as hearers of this message that Paul's teaching to us, we can slip into this mode. If, if we do better or try harder or just be better, we can do better. And that's not at all what Paul is saying. At the beginning, when he starts talking about the spiritual warfare and the spiritual reality that's going on, is for us to be strong in the Lord and to be strong in the strength of his might. It's Christ alone. And here's the good news, is that the attributes and strength of Jesus are immutable and imperishable. You guys know what immutable means? Like, the power that is present in Christ's power will never lessen or never get worsened, or, and it has nothing to do with you. So your ability to withstand the evil one has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Christ, and everything to do with Christ is immutable and imperishable. It never fades. It always is. It will not suffer lack. It will not exhaust. It will always accomplish what it intends to accomplish. Verse 11. It's also another phrase here that's important. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Here's the deal. I've, I've 
preached this message before, and I've heard this message preached before, where I stopped thinking about all this stuff being God's, the armor of God, strength of the Lord, those things, everything, the activity that's happening is all in the power of Jesus and the strength of God. And, and at this point, it's at the end of verse 11, that I stop thinking about Jesus and start thinking about Rick. And that's, that's error. It's wrong. Um, so we're to put on the whole armor of God, and it's, it's his power, it's his strength, it's his might that provides us everything that's happening here. Um, I've said this many times in this setting. I've said this many times in conversations with you. Um, we all do well to really understand what I'm about to tell you. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has one weapon, and that's to get you to believe something that's not true. Do you, you with me? This is, this is vastly important. As we understand the spiritual realities that are present in our world, know this. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has one weapon to get you to believe something that's not true. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The extent to which this verse ripples in our world is impossible to overstate. Can I say that again? The extent to which this verse ripples beyond just today and into our world, it's impossible to overstate. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers and authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And again, those words, this language makes us think scared, makes us think something is weird that's happening. It's fantasy or it's, it's science fiction. And it's just not true. It's not science fiction. It's, it's a spiritual reality. Um, so let me, let me ask, let's, uh, so let's ask, I want to ask a question that, that's not rhetorical. Um, let's, uh, let's look at, not, not, let's look at the screen, not what's on the screen, but look at the screen itself. Somebody describe what you see on what, what the screen is. Square. Good. All right. So forget about what's like being shined on the screen by the projector. Let's just talk about the screen. Um, what, what's it made of? Cloth material. Yeah. Some of you like Travis, you were here. We like spray painted. We made that thing. What, what is that? Do you, do you remember? Yeah. It's like a canvas. All right. So we like, and then it's built, the canvas is stapled, right? What's it stapled to? A wooden frame. A wooden frame. All right. So um, it's, what, what else could, what other adjectives could we apply to this? Homemade. Homemade. All right. Large. Yep. Slightly off center. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> That's bothered Travis since the day we moved into this room. Um, and it's, it's gray, right? And you can, you can just look at it and kind of, Think or, or imagine what it might what it might feel like, right? Can you imagine what that might feel like to go up and touch the screen? I like. I want you to begin to, to to think about these things and our physical faculties and understand that there are there are spiritual realities that are just like that. We can connect with 
the physical, but have a hard time with the spiritual. Um, Here's something very interesting that I I discovered this morning here. Um, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Do you know where Paul is when he writes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? Do you know where he is? By the way, I've, I've mentioned it several times during the course of, this is sermon number 16 in our study of Ephesians, where Paul is when he writes Ephesians. Say it louder. Prison. prison. Well done. Um, he's in prison. Paul is in prison. When he writes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There are actual human beings that are actually responsible for Paul being in prison. He doesn't say, this Roman person or this Jewish person, they are the people that have caused me to be here. Do you see the, the, like the, the beauty and maybe even the, the irony of that? Paul has human beings that are responsible for him being for him suffering. But he says, we don't wrestle against them. Consider this. You do not wrestle with conservative politicians. You do not wrestle with evangelicals. You do not wrestle with heretics. You do not wrestle with disobedient children. You do not wrestle with created things. You wrestle with spiritual forces of evil. Like that's it's super important for us to connect with because here, here's the... Um, I have... Here is... Uh, a self-reliance that I slip into quite often. Um, in a conversation, I believe that God has given me an ability to, to move or shepherd a conversation to a particular direction. I can get, with my words, I can get you to think things. And so many times I rely on that strength when a child is disobedient, when I, 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 I engage with with a, a married couple who's who doing counseling with me. When I when I talk with with somebody about politics, when I talk with somebody about this or that, I, I trust and rely upon myself and my own abilities to articulate. You follow that? And the error there is that I'm resting and trusting in Rick. So this week, um I I hadn't planned to say this, so uh, bear with me while I, I seek this out. I believe it's Psalm 33. Um, if it's not, I'm going to feel really, really dumb. Uh, Psalm 33, yes. Um, in the middle of trying to, to convince someone with my words, I found this psalm about one in the morning. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. 
And then the king is not saved by his great army or a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. I mean, that, that verse is incredible. When we're thinking about this idea of the spiritual forces of evil and us living in a world where spiritual attacks are real and just all this physical versus spiritual stuff that I've been talking about, here's the reality is there's nothing in you, there's nothing around you that, you, that can withstand the weight of your hope. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Whatever it is that you think you, you trust or you hope in, unless it's the, the power of Jesus Christ, it will fail. It cannot withstand the weight of your hope. And as we think about these spiritual realities, that's the truth. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the darkness and has outfitted you with equipment to protect you. Um, I also, also want to say, just kind of parenthetically to keep the pendulum from swinging too far, many times we label something a spiritual attack, when in reality, it's probably just you being lazy or sinful. I'll let you just sit with that. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole army of North Church. Therefore, take up the whole army of good arguments. Take up the whole army of strategy. Take up the whole army of a good sermon. No, take up the whole army of God. That you may be able to withstand the evil in the day. And having done it all, stand firm. These are the tools that God has given to you. And just by the way, many times I've heard sermons like these where they try to draw out illustration from what he's, the, the metaphor that he uses. I, I don't believe that there's any sort of um, substantial truth that we can hold on to that, let me just get to it. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. I don't want to talk about why truth is the belt because I believe that it's all just hearsay and guesswork. And I don't want to do that where, while I'm uh, trying to proclaim the word of God. So let's instead think about this idea of truth. One of the things that, that God has given, a tool that God has given to you to withstand the spiritual forces of evil that are present in your world is truth. Um, this word truth is the Greek word aletheia, and it means true in any matter of consideration. It means no matter what the circumstances are in your world, this is true. Think about it like this. Imagine, picture a lake, and on this lake is a buoy, and on this lake is a dock. You got those things pictured in your mind? A buoy and a dock. Um, imagine now a boat comes speeding by, creating a lot of waves on this lake. What happens to the buoy? Not rhetorical. What happens to the buoy? It moves. It bounces up and down, left and right, all over the place. 360, 360 degrees. I can move any, any place. It's moving. It's affected by the boat, which is affecting the waves, and those waves that are affected by the boat are affecting the buoy, moving it from side to side. What happens to the dock? It gets wet. It's not moving. 
And this is, this is the truth that we are armed with. This sort of doesn't change. Not, it's, it, it, there is this aletheia truth that is true in any matter of consideration. No matter what is going on around, the truth is the truth. And you are given the truth to fight the enemy. But it's also here righteousness, having also put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is a, is a Greek word that means integrity, virtue, and purity of life. Integrity. Do you guys know um, the root word of integrity is the word integer? Did you know that? The root word of integrity is integer. And we, we know what an integer is. It's a complete and whole number. Integrity is the same always. It's not 99.9%. It's 100%. Purity, same thing. So this idea of righteousness. What, and again, here's where we can slip into this idea that it somehow has to do with me. Your righteousness, righteousness has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Jesus, but it's yours completely, always. Your righteousness is not your own, but it's yours. Verse 15. And having shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. A tool that you have to fight the spiritual forces of evil that are present in our world is the gospel. Preaching the gospel to yourself is... I think one of the most important tasks of my job as your pastor is to teach you how to preach the gospel to yourself because we can fight spiritual battles here together on Sunday mornings and then maybe for an hour on a community group through the week, but what happens during the rest of those times? We need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves, preach it in a proactive way and, and preach it in a reactive way. We need to learn and understand the gospel to preach to ourselves, to preach it to those around us. Um, our next series after the new year, we're going to do Christmas starting next week, um, Advent starting next week, but then the first of the year, we're going to start a series on the gospel where we're just going to take a verse in scripture that preaches the gospel and we're going to study it deeply. And one of the the, the biggest challenges is to put that in the front of our mind. Consistent, redundant preaching of the gospel. Trying to memorize gospel verses. Um, here's the other. The, the gospel in this context here in Ephesians 6 is news. It's, it's the, the same word that's used as, as a herald. So this is interesting that the gospel is nothing to do. It's not rules. It's not things to memorize. It's not things to do. It's simply news. Like, think about, like, one of the greatest weapons that you have to fight the difficulties of this world is just news. It's nothing more, nothing for you to do or be. And it's a priority in our world because in the stillness of moments, we believe lies. The gospel is 
Jesus died to pay for your sins and rose from the dead to defeat death to give you life. So that when the enemy reminds you of your sin, you can be fully confident that your sins are forgiven and paid for. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Faith is a tool that God has given to you. He says, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. I'm not exactly sure why he's talking that in relation to faith. But faith, as it applies in this concept, is a tool in your hand to withstand the enemy. Um, there is the, the best picture. And faith is a word that, that, that gets thrown around a lot. It's a religious word that's often misunderstood because faith is just, I think a lot of times we understand it is, is, a, is a really deep or, or more profound trust, but there's, there's a depth to faith that goes beyond trust and also adds an element of surrender, meaning I'm going to completely bet my life on the fact that you're telling me the truth, that I trust you. And the best picture of that that I've ever seen is from a movie from Braveheart. And I've shown this clip before. I'm going to show it again this morning, but I want you to see the looks on the faces of these people William Wallace, Mel Gibson's character, has told them, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. And if William Wallace's plan doesn't work, they're all going to die on that field that day. And I, when, as you see this, you're going to get caught up in the action that's happening. But what I want you to, to zero in on is the idea that faith is being communicated here. And look at the, the faces of the warriors and their, their fear but their trust and where fear and trust are, are kind of working together and, and living together. So Abram, hit, hit, hit that video. didn't watch, let you watch the horses being impaled. I'm sorry if you really wanted to see that. But I, I love the picture of that, and I, I want you to, again, we're trying to understand faith in the context of it being a weapon that God has given to you to defeat your enemy who tells you lies. And I, I love the, the, there's a quick, right before they raise their spears, that there's the, the biggest toughest throughout the course of the movie that that guy is is mel's right hand man the toughest dude and and the like did you did you see that like the last thing he's he's like there's this look of worry on his face but then there's this this strength that's in mel gibson's face and, and there's that's the truth of what's happening and and you have one enemy and his name is satan and what he wants to do is get you to believe something and that's not true and here's jesus proclaiming to you hold Hold. Don't be afraid. Hold. Like there's just courage there, right? 
cold. And there's a spiritual reality that's going on in your world that's trying to convince you that the truth of the gospel is not true or it's weak or it will fail or falter. Jesus and, and Paul here imploring, while, Paul imploring while in prison says, hold. Um, it's just, it's incredible. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Salvation. Um, Martin Luther says this, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. Like this quote, I just, I love this quote, but it's, it's so, it's such an incredible tool. Your salvation is secure and steady and can't go anywhere. And it's completely and utterly independent of you. Do you hear me? It's completely and utterly independent of you. That last song we sang, Steadfast Love, you guys have sang that before. That's a song that we wrote together as a church about six or seven years ago. And I love one of the lines. It says, when my mind doubts, your love remains. Aren't you glad that your salvation is completely independent of you? In this world with spiritual realities where we, where we are tempted and our minds are astray and all these things are, are true, the, the truth is your salvation is, is built on the Lord. Your hope is built on the Lord and not yourself and not in the abilities that you have. That's incredible and so hopeful. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making all supplication for the saints. This is one of the greatest tools that we have to fight spiritual warfare is to pray. And one of the greatest things from the, we started this church in March of 2007. One of the greatest weaknesses for our church from the beginning is the way that we pray and the, the, the consistency with which we pray. We are failures here. Hear me rebuking you. Hear me rebuking me. We do not pray well. We do not pray enough. We do not pray with intensity. We have prayer cards in the back. We get like We've had those for about a year, and we've got like three. Um, I'm not very good at rebuking, not very good at like slapping you, uh, but I hope you gently felt me slapping you. That's not really true. I hope you more than gently felt it. Um, but hear me also say that I'm... Like, this is a really important thing to pray. And, and just look at, look at that verse. Pray at all times. And pray at all times in the Spirit. With perseverance for all the saints. I'm sorry to put you guys on the spot, but you're, like, you're, a, you're a, a missionary in 
a place I may not be able to supposed to say out loud. But we've got some missionaries here just found us on the web, whatever, and showed up. Making supplication for all the saints. She's going to go away. We'll probably never see, see this family again. But like they'll be overseas on mission. And I love that we prayed for the church global this morning. We thanked God for the church global this morning. If the spiritual reality is as real as this physical world is, if somebody came in this room with the intent to do us harm, we would act, right? I love that Abram is really close to the bottom of those stairs. Dude ain't getting up here. If, if, if the physical world threatened us, we would act, we would respond. And the spiritual world is, is threatening us. Perhaps the greatest tool that you have, the greatest way you can spend your idle moments is to pray. When there's that psalm that I read, Psalm 33, my hope is not in myself or anything that's in, that I have. The war horse is not my hope, but God is my hope. That teaches me to fall to my knees and pray, God, be my hope. Let's pray better. Don't get excited. Usually when I end, I say, let's pray. That wasn't, that wasn't a cue that we're almost done. Well, it, we're almost, ever, anyway. Verse 19, we are almost done. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Um, I want to point out three things about this last verse. Um, Paul is in prison when he writes this. He is presently experiencing the forces of evil and he asks his friends to pray for him. Do you see that? He is in the middle of of spiritual warfare in a battle and he asks his friends to pray for him yet he preaches the, the other thing I want to see verse 24 which I am an ambassador the gospel he's an ambassador in chains suffering provides the context for him so many times we see a spiritual battle or spiritual warfare or something that's wrong we see suffering as if God is punishing me God is doing something bad to me for something I did or something like that Paul sees his imprisonment not just as a spiritual battle but also as an opportunity for him to proclaim the gospel it's a context suffering is a context for the gospel do you see that we can get whiny in the space in the face of a spiritual attack do you ever have you done that when you're attacked spiritually or when, you, when just stuff is happening to you, like you just kind of slump your shoulders and get whiny, um, we can get that way. But look at Paul. I'm an ambassador in chains. These chains provide the context for me to proclaim the gospel. But here's the thing that I find to be incredible about this verse. Paul is vulnerable. So many times I view Paul as this strong and powerful 
like in your face, I don't care what you do to me sort of leader that's going to be brash and speak the truth boldly. Is that like, if you've studied Paul, do you, do you see Paul as that? He's bold and confident in the gospel. He is the epitome of strength. He's William Wallace proclaiming, hold, hold. He's bringing us along. But look at the end here. The last thing he says to these people, the last command that he says to these people is, is I'm in trouble, pray for me. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful way, it, the, the beautiful gospel-saturated, rich nature of the book of Ephesians. Paul loves this church very much. And he loves the gospel very much. And everything that he said is bringing to this place that I'm vulnerable and you are vulnerable. And we're all vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. But God has given us everything that we need to withstand. And the last command that he gives is to pray. With vulnerable with a vulnerable voice, he asks them to pray, not just for yourselves, not just for the saints, but pray for me. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people that you've given to us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the message of the gospel. God, thank you for... all of the, the cornucopia of people and perspectives that come here, God, that come together to make this place what it is, Father. God, we're, we're so thoroughly dependent upon you and your gospel. God, teach us that, Father. God, teach us to, to cling to faith. Teach us to cling to, to truth. Teach us to cling to, to your gospel and our salvation. God, may all of that send us to praying, Father. God, would you give me what's necessary to, to, to pray more? God, forgive me for failing to lead this church to pray. God, even if that means praying alone, Father, would we pray? Thank you for Jesus. Our only hope, our only strength our only salvation, our only righteousness, our only truth, our only hope. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.